0: How many of us if you work and have a job how many of us when you start that job how many can remember the first day of job and it isn't your first day of work like the best right and how many of us the very first day of work we tried so hard you know I can remember um, when I first started selling food and, you know, when, and it probably also comparison to when I became a parent as well and had five kids because we didn't stop at one. We just kept popping them out, right? Well, I didn't pop them out. Kim popped them out. But, but when I, when we started having kids, as I started growing in food service, you know, I was, I was, scared at one point to lose my job because now I had all these mouths to feed, right? And I, that probably pushed me at moments to work really, 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 really hard. You know, in food service, if you're in food service, you know that food service, it's like a 24 seven job. And so because restaurants are open most in the old days, pre-COVID, restaurants used to be open seven days a week, right? Pre five years ago, whatever you go back in the old days, right? When there was wagons and horses right around. But in the old days, restaurants were open 24 hours, seven days a week. And so if you're in food service and if you're in sales, typically you can get calls sometimes up to eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, and those are the worst customers to have. But in the in the first days when I first started doing first service, food service, I would answer my phone at eight o'clock at night because I thought that I had to. I thought that I if I didn't answer this call or answer this text from my customer, you know, that you know, he's gonna get mad. And twenty years later, I don't care. Like if my customers call me at eight o'clock at night, I'm not gonna answer. Unless unless my family's like not around and, you know, no one's around, then then I'll do it. But when you first start in your job and you're working, how many of us have ever tried to impress our boss? How many of us have ever wanted to impress our boss, the person that we work for, and I wanna do a good job here, I'd like to get a raise, right? How many of us have thought to ourselves, I could really use a raise right now? How many of us ever thought, my boss really needs a kick down because I'm the best employee in the world? Sometimes when we set out to accomplish things, It's not really for ourselves. We don't realize who we're really trying to set out and what we're really trying to accomplish and who it's for. As Peter in this story is with Jesus, as he's sitting there and as he steps out of the boat, you ask yourself, was he stepping out of the boat for himself or was he stepping out of the boat for Jesus? And every single day of our lives, that's a good question to ask yourself. Am I taking this step for myself or am I taking this step for Jesus? The next person I want to read in this story, obviously we all know the good man of, um, nope, I already read that verse. Good man in Genesis chapter seven, verse 13. It says, That very day Noah had gone on the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with the birds of every kind, two by two that came in the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and a female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. As you think about Noah, as we jumped from the New Testament to the Old Testament, How much trust did Noah have in God? One, to be asked to build a boat that is the size of a football field and a half. If any one of us, if our friends, if our dads, if our moms, if our spouses came to us and said, I need you to spend the next 100 years building me a boat, and it's gonna be a football field in length and half. I'm gonna help you get the wood this and that. How many of us would be like, eh, no thanks I mean you can't even ask your kids to take out trash today right it's like eh no thanks right I'm just kidding how hard is it to think the level of trust that Noah this man had he had never seen rain there had never been rain up to this point never a drop there was no rain on the earth up to this point point. and so God comes to Noah and he says listen I need you to build a boat because there's going to be a flood Noah does what God asked him to do. Noah builds the boat. He spends a 100 years tirelessly giving all that he had, but in doing so, did he build it for himself? Partially, but it was also for his wife and his kids and their wives, why? Because if he didn't build the boat, what was gonna happen? They were gonna die. But Noah believed what God had said, even though he'd never seen a boat before. Do you think that there was, you know, a AAA map on how to build a boat? Do you think that there was an instruction book that this like came zapped down from heaven to the ground? And he said, oh, here's, you know, building the ark 101. He had never seen a boat before. He had no idea but to build this and to understand, I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe in what God's asking me to do the level of trust the level of faith that noah had do we have that kind of level that no matter what god asks you to build that you will be faithful to build it from beginning to end do you have that level of trust that noah had that no matter what god asked me to do to do something that i've never seen before to be a part of something i've never seen before to build something from its very beginning until the very end and this was noah Daniel 3 13, Nebuchadnezzar flew into rage and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you refuse to serve gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, will you be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace? And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the fire, the God who we serve is able to save us. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, Your Majesty. But even if He doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, Your Majesty, we will know longer ever serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up you know when death is on the line things change a little bit shadrach meshach and abednego and we know that the beautiful thing of bible about the bible these aren't just stories that are made up these aren't stories that are fictional it's not stories that just sound good these are real people and real events you can go see these places you can go see where these things happen this is the stories that are in here it's not something just nice to talk about in sunday school or in church and here's the story of three men shadrach meshach and abednego that they lived in a place where idol worship was everywhere and so there was so many different statues and the king set up this 90 foot tall gold statue and said everyone when you hear the sound of music you have to bow down and you have to worship my statue this is my statue and you got to do what i say except there was three christians who said meh i don't have to do what you say i serve a different god death on the line, being threatened to throw into a furnace of fire. And this furnace was so hot. The men, the men who were pushing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego towards the fire, they got burned up. The furnace was so hot. This was a real fire. When death was on the line for these three young men, how much trust did they have in God? And could we trust God with that today? If it was illegal to have church, if it was illegal to be a Christian, and if the army, if the Marines were here and they're coming out here to arrest us right now and to execute us, could you stand and say, you're not going to stop me from worshiping my God, or would we cave in? The level of trust in this story. The other famous story we know, of course, of Daniel 6.16. At least the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown in the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And there's another story of a man who faced death, being thrown into a lion's dead. And we know that from, if you grew up in church, you heard that story over and over and over again, right? Because our Sunday school teachers were awesome. And back in the day, they had those flannel boards with the little stick figures that they would stick on there and they'd move them around, right? But here's the story of a man again who, who was friends with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it was illegal to be a Christian. And he was told he couldn't pray to God anymore. He was told, you have to stop praying. You can't pray to your God. But Daniel, you know, sometimes how many of us have heard that, that lovely word being rebellious? And, and how many of us, you know, as parents, you know, we drive that into our kids, you better not be rebellious, this, that, and the other. It's not good to be rebellious, Unless it's against evil, I guess it's the devil and people who are trying to stop you from being a Christian. Because here's Daniel, and he says, you know what? You can tell me to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. Three times a day, I'm going to point myself towards Jerusalem, and I'm going to pray to my God. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I will keep praying. With death on the line, I will keep praying. With death on the line, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, here's a man again with the level of faith and trust in God. First Chronicles 11.1 one says, All Israel gathered before David at Hebron. And he told him, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord your God told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be the leader of my people Israel. David, as a young boy, teenager boy, was anointed to be the king of Israel, but it took 15 years before he became king. Turn your neighbor and say, 15 years. We see David as a man and we know king david awesome amazing we know goliath we know all those stories right but he waited and he trusted god even though it took 15 years could we have the level of faith and trust to wait on god for 15 years how many of us are praying for one thing very specific today how many of us this morning, there's one thing that we are waiting on God, we are praying, that we're hoping, that we're, we're semi-confident that God is gonna answer us. In this story, David, King David, who becomes the king, he had to wait 15 years. Does God wanna answer your prayers? Absolutely. But sometimes he needs you to learn something through the process. And so there's time, and it hurts. And believe me, it sucks waiting. But if you're waiting today for something, keep praying, keep believing, because just like David became king like God said he would, the thing that you're praying for, God will answer. We see in Exodus chapter three, verse seven, it says, and the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I'm aware of their suffering. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt, enter their own and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where all these wonderful people look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go Moses, because I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people. Moses was a murderer. How could he be asked to be a a leader? Moses murdered a man. Why would God pick him to do anything? Moses was a bad man. He did something horrible. He even left his hometown and he went and he married some foreign lady, right? Moses was this horrible person. He did a horrible, horrible thing. But yet God picked him to be the leader of israel to lead a million people out of one country into another country what kind of level and trust and we know that moses he kind of butted heads with god because he's like ah god i'm not qualified god said yeah you are god i'm not the greatest in my speech i don't talk fast enough he said you'll be fine God doesn't look at your qualifications. God doesn't look at your past. Isn't that one of the the greatest things? When we go apply for a job today, most of it's based on our education. It's based on our qualifications. What God asks you to do, he's not looking for what you're qualified to do. He's looking for you to be unqualified so that he can teach you how to get the job done. Moses didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to be a leader, much less lead a million people. A couple more short stories. Matthew 15, 21. Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Sidon. And a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. And then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and she worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, isn't it right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs? She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Have you ever seen the the level of faith that a parent has? This woman in this story, she was desperate. Her daughter was dying. Her daughter was sick. What kind of level of faith when our kids are struggling, what does that do to the faith and trust that's inside of us? For the lady in this story, it pushed her to be aggressive. How many of us know aggressive women? This was an aggressive parent. She was aggressive. She was aggressive with the disciples so much so that the disciples said, Jesus, shoot her away. Why was she so aggressive? Why was she so pushy for my daughter? God, I need you to help me now. And I'm not going to wait until you do. Jesus, I need an answer now. And I need help for my daughter right now. So I am not going to stop praying until you answer. Jesus, I'm going to give everything I have right now. (coughs) Until you answer. She even was called a dog. That didn't stop her. She was pushed away. That didn't stop her. I'm not leaving until you answer this for my daughter. What level of trust do we have? Do we have that as this lady in this story, that Jesus will heal our kids, that Jesus will save our kids, that Jesus will deliver our kids, that Jesus can do it? You know, but I do have to say sometimes what we do as parents, because this is what we, our natural senses, we hold on to our kids and we don't fully give them to him. If you want to see Jesus take your kid, if you want to see Jesus help and save your kid, you have to fully give him and fully trust him. Last one, Luke 22, 41. He walked away at about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But yet it's not, My will that I want, it's your will to be done. And we see that Jesus here is our last picture. The level of faith that he had a trust in his father, that he was asked his whole life, he was asked to live and to die. To be a sacrifice. He lived perfectly. Yeah, he got to eat and, and eat you know, amazing food and he got to learn a job. He became a carpenter, we know. He did some awesome things while he was here on this earth, but his whole life, it wasn't to go to college and get a degree and it wasn't to get married and have you know, 50 kids. It wasn't to you know, go to school and, and make lots of money and build you know, houses and become a real estate mogul. Jesus's life, he lived to die and he lived by one thing, God, I don't want to, but I'm here to do your will. God, I don't feel like it today, Father, but I'm here to do your will. Jesus lived within the frame of what God asked him to do. This morning, I have two mirrors that are down below here this morning. And on one side, you can see that the mirror looks pretty clear. And on the other side, my little scribble job of of crayons that I scribbled all over the place. We looked at Peter, we looked at Moses, we looked at Noah. All of them had different levels of faith at different ages, at different stages of their life. But you know what? They were growing. And if we were honest, how many could say, I still have 10 areas of my life that I have not allowed God to grow, to recognize, to talk, to know the truth, to recognize, thirdly, in you and trust, to understand If I know the truth now, if I've recognized what I need to do, I need to have an understanding. How am I gonna do this? S and trust to study, to learn, to apply myself. I must do something with the information that Jesus has given to me. When Jesus says something, I must do something with that information really take time to properly read and study it. And lastly, to take action. There's no blessing in God with no action. There's no blessing with just listening. Listening, then following. If you wanna be fully supremely blessed above everything, listen and follow. And I close with this verse. We wrap up this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on what you know, what Google knows, what your friends know. Do not depend on fleshly, understanding seek god in all that you do and then he will show you which path to take don't be impressed with your own wisdom don't be impressed with what you can learn on your own don't be impressed with what you can read and study on your own instead fear the lord turn from evil then you will have healing for your body strength for your bones honor the lord with your wealth the best part of everything you produce then he will fill your barns with grain your vats will overflow good wine My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And as the writer of this started, what did he say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God created you to live within the boundary of trust. It's not trusting in the cracks that you've grown up with it's not trusting in the scars the things that have happened to you in the lessons because you know what our own scars and cracks do when something new happens ah i know how to fix this when you trust in yourself and you trust in your scars and your cracks when something happens and something bad happens it's not go to god it's no 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 no. i'm gonna fix this i'm gonna take care of it that's not what god created you to do he created us to live within a level of trust trust me with all my heart and this is the boundary that he wants you to live within, with all your heart with all your life with all your heart and not basing it on anybody else but this morning only you not even who I've read about this morning to just look at yourself this morning and say what is my level of trust God and you what is the stage We're going to close in a song this morning. Stand with us if you're able. As we close and get ready to sing our last song and be dismissed, we're going to pray. So if your eyes closed. You know, as we wrap up and as we leave this morning, all of us in here, we're going to take one step at a time. We're going to walk out of the building. This morning as we get ready to leave, we've learned in life, if I need to go anywhere, I need a direction, I need a door, and I'm gonna take one step at a time. And so with your eyes closed this morning, just keep praying and just keep listening and just keep believing because God this morning is saying, I have something greater, better for you. I have something way beyond yourself, but you have to stop trusting in you and you need to fully trust in me. And so take this one step. As soon as you make that one step, Jesus said, then I'm going to show you the next step to take. I'm not going to give you 10 steps to take, but he said, just listen for the next step. What's the next step God is calling to you this morning? What's the next step that God is leading you to this morning? What is the next thing that God is saying, this is where I want to increase. This is what I need to decrease. This is what I want to be. This is what I need to see happen. What is just the very next step that God is asking you to live within the boundary of trust this morning?